0: Hey, it's Jackie, and we're a week out from Election Day. It's been a long week, and we might just need to step away from all the madness and get a word from God. Not a word about the election or the pandemic or politics, just a word from God. Something God might want to say to you personally. So today's podcast, I've asked my daughter to read something. And through that reading, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak. A word, a word. Just for you. Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off the record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of the Marcello Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women at work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're going to be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are going to put words to your female experience. They're going to ennoble you as Jesus intended and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. Welcome back. So, you might find this weird, but people send me books to read so that they can have a conversation with me about the content of the book. They just need someone to read the book so that they can have a safe conversation and process the content. A woman in Dallas sent me Nadia Boltz-Weber's book, Pastrix. She said if her church knew she was reading it, they would think she was a heretic. But there were things. In that book that she resonated with, and she needed to process that. So I read the book. And then there was another female minister who sent me Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Leaving Church. And this woman was beginning to wonder if Barbara might be onto something, that her faith might actually be stronger if she actually stopped working in the church. And so she needed a really safe place to process. So I read the book. Yeah, so I read books for other people, so that I can help them think through these complex spiritual issues. And I know what some of you are about to do. Order me a book so that we can chat about it. And I might, but I can't promise. Because, you know, reading books, they take a long time to do. It takes a long time, right? Anyway, my daughter, Madison, started reading this book called Speaking of Faith, Why Religion Matters and How to Talk About It. And occasionally, as she was reading the book, she share, she would share with me some thought-provoking things, things that were challenging her. And when she finished reading the book, guess what she did? Yep, you got it. She asked me if I would read it so we could talk about it. And you bet I did. And while I was reading through this book, Madison would occasionally come over for dinner and I'd pull the book out and I'd read certain sections, like statements, stories that were impressing me. And I would share why, why that particular thing spoke to me. And she would pull out her phone and pull up notes that she had taken on sections of the book that she liked. And it turns out, we actually highlighted a lot of the same things. Now I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, yeah, but your mother and daughter, no. Actually, that was quite interesting because we don't have the same faith journey. So here's the deal. We're all a little weary. And I thought, I thought, you know what, I would love for Madison to read a section of this book that meant a lot to me. Now, you might ask, why Madison? Great question. It's very simple. She reads better than me. When she was little, she would bring home books from the library, and we'd sit on the couch, and she'd read to me. And I loved when she did that. I loved how she read particularly Winn-Dixie. If you know the book, right, it's, it's, it, it takes place, I think, in Alabama, and she had the accents down and all. I have always loved listening to my daughter read out loud to me, and I think you will too.
1: Jesus himself speaks throughout the text mostly in metaphor, parable, and story. In that oral culture, stories could be remembered and passed on intact. Treatises could not. But these stories were not, as they might appear on the surface to a modern eye, child's play. Parables mirror the love of ideas in the Jewish tradition that was Jesus' intellectual and spiritual world of reference a rich, creative, and careful attention to the many meanings words can convey, the many meanings the same words can take in different lives and in the same life over the course of time. Jesus' teachings made room for and honored the differences in his listeners, the varieties of ears and hearts that would apprehend his stories. But deep down, they were more challenging than straightforward. The biblical text honestly recounts that Jesus' own handpicked disciples, clay-footed and beloved like Jacob, often failed to comprehend what he was trying to teach them. These stories allowed me to live at once more patiently and more expectantly, to accept reality as both messy and mysterious. Jesus' parables, for example, often concern the kingdom of heaven. He describes this to his disciples variously, metaphorically, and to their ears cryptically. It is like yeast, he says, like a hidden treasure, like a mustard seed. In Sunday school, this was presented to me as a straightforward lesson that affirmed the American dream. Great things come of small beginnings. But as I delved into its nuance in a scholarly way, I found a recurrent allusion not merely to the smallness of the seed or the yeast, but also to its hiddenness. The intrinsic puzzle of the kingdom of heaven is the organic mystery that every farmer sees enacted in every harvest season. A minuscule buried substance holds a wondrous power of transformation and growth within itself. And here is the conundrum for a results-oriented American can-do mentality. The only control the planter has is in the act of planting. This reminded me of a teaching of the monk and writer Thomas Merton that I'd puzzled over in England. Merton described the difference between pure intentions and intentions that are merely good or right. These might be the best of intentions, like my habitual longing to save the world, but pure intentions hold realism and mystery and an enlivening tension. Pure intention, as I now understood it, would sanctify what Americans might regard as thankless tasks, limited life-giving work of care, as opposed to grand, ambitious projects. It is an acknowledgment that sometimes in this world, the best you can do is plant the seed, attend patiently and reverently to a reality you cannot change quickly, or even in your lifetime, be present to suffering you cannot banish. To summon the kingdom of heaven as Jesus described it is not to call down perfection on an imperfect world, but to bring recurring, overriding virtues of the gospel love, mercy, and redemption to moments that will probably not make headlines.
0: I know, I know. So rich, so much there, right? Don't worry. If you want to reread it, if you want to listen to it again, you can, or you can go on over to our Facebook group page, Jackie Always Unplugged. you read, you can read it there. I'm going to post it. And, and if you go over there and you read it, you might even want to post what words or phrases or concepts stood out to you. And if you think this is good stuff, well then buy our book, dive in and share this podcast with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Please subscribe to Jackie Always Unplugged. I'd love for you to become a part of our tribe. So here's where God caused me to pause. There were two places in particular in this this segment. First was when Tibbetts said, the intrinsic puzzle of the kingdom of heaven is the organic mystery that every farmer sees enacted in every harvest season. A minuscule buried substance holds a wondrous power of transformation and growth Within itself. Now, what Tibbet is uh the, I should probably tell you, Kristen Tibbet is the author. What Krista Tibbet is, is referring to is the parable of the growing seed found in Mark chapter four, verses twenty-six through twenty-nine. And in case you don't know what that passage says, here it is. I'm gonna read it for you. And this is Jesus speaking in the passage, and he said this: this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. And to this, Tibbet observes, the mystery that every farmer sees enacted in every harvest season a minuscule buried substance holds a wondrous power of transformation and growth within itself. And when I read that, having known the parable, I had to pause. It was as if the Spirit said, now I need you to just sit on that for a bit. Noodle it, ponder it, imagine it. Now I know if you're not careful, this could sound really new agey, right? This idea that, that within itself we have the power to, to transform and grow. But that's not actually what Tibbetts is implying here. What she's implying is that when God created, he placed within creation a DNA, if you will, to fight to live, to grow, to become, to flourish. It might be hidden at some times, but it's there. It's fundamentally in our DNA. And I got so excited about this idea, and I started wondering, like, what's hidden within me? You know, my creation, what God has placed within me, the DNA to, to grow and become. What, what exactly is that? You know, that, that God is waiting for just a sprout to become. And what about you? What might God have placed within you? It's there. He placed it there in the very beginning, waiting for the hard shell to break open so that life, life can come forth. Just noodle on that, ponder on that for just a bit. The second thing that came to my mind as I read through this segment, kind of where I felt like the Holy Spirit said, whoa, slow your roll, Jackie was the statement about pure intention. Um, Tibbet said it this way, pure intention, as I now understand it, would sanctify what Americans might regard as thankless tasks, limited life-giving work of care, as opposed to grand, ambitious projects. It's an acknowledgement that sometimes in this world, the best you can do is plant the seed. Attend patiently and reverently to a reality that you cannot change quickly or even in your lifetime. Be present to suffering you cannot banish. Just breathe that in. Be present to suffering you cannot banish. To summon the kingdom of heaven as Jesus described it is not to call down perfection on an imperfect world, but to bring reoccurring, overriding virtues of the gospel, love and mercy and redemption to moments that will probably not make headlines. And so I'm wondering in these days where we continue to live through a pandemic, through political unrest, Can we at least acknowledge that perhaps we are limited? That we are limited life-giving caretakers. That's what we have to offer. We can't solve everything. I mean, we have sexism and racism and classism, and they are deeply rooted strongholds that have been with us since Genesis chapter 3, and they won't be changed quickly. And perhaps I won't see it change in my lifetime that helps reorient me. It actually calms me. This is important stuff for us to ingest and digest. And what if we did, like, ingest and digest just that idea? That w- w- Would we be set free from s- trying to save the world? And instead, might we be just be present in the suffering? Not running away from suffering, but entering into it. Think about that. Sitting with the suffering. It's like it's an act of gospeling, if you will. And as we go through our lives with limited life-giving care capacity, we can gospel in the world in which we live and move, right? Not not some, uh, you know, like pie-in-the-sky thing, but like literally in our space where we are with our people, people we come in contact to. We can offer love, I would even suggest a hesed kind of love, like we saw Ruth offer Naomi when Naomi was in deep despair. And Ruth said, I'm sticking with you, even though it will come at a great cost. Hesed love, right? These are, these are the virtues of the gospel, love, mercy, providing small redemptive moments all throughout our day. And I suspect as I move about offering these virtues of the gospel, that it's not going to go viral, and it won't make the headline news. And to be honest with you, I'm a bit burned out on those things, so I'm very good with that. In the middle of it, in the middle of this pandemic, political unrest, racism and sexism, in the middle of it, I've got some gospeling to do, and so do you. So thanks for listening. Share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe. But most importantly, during this time, don't forget, get a word from God. We need it. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese, R-O-E-S-E. Have a great day.